So here I was, like at okay. Super Clips or whatever. She was clipping my hair. I already didn't like it. But I was in second grade, so, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And then she got out the clippers and she buzzed the back. Yeah. And I started sobbing. Oh, Lindsay. It was horrible. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Inia cast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and with the holiday season in full swing, we wanted to do something a bit different and fun. We've actually got two segments today. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're actually going to do a segment that we're going to call Say More. So yeah, we realized that we come into the studio and we immediately go deep talking about the Enneagram and addressing each number, and that maybe you guys don't actually know us very well. So here at LTN, we have created some conversation cards called Say More. So we thought it would be really fun for Justy and I to answer some of these cards for you guys today. So that's going to be our first segment is Say More. And then we're going to do New Year's type illusions where Lindsay is going to be giving resolution suggestions for all nine types. Okay, so let's get into our first segment, Say More. So a couple of months ago, we created a deck of cards with 100 questions in them. It's called Say More, Conversation Starters to Build Better Relationships. Essentially, what you do is you just pull a card out and there's a question on it and you answer that question. And so it's an opportunity for folks to have good conversations with their spouse, their significant other, their coworkers, their kids, their parents, their friends. These conversation starters can be used in any context. And so we thought it'd be fun for Lindsay and I to try some of these out yeah. uh, with each other. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to actually answer a handful of these questions. So let's get started. So, Lindsay, first question. What TV show do you turn on when you just want to zone out and feel better? So I know this might sound crazy, but I really love anything that's sort of dystopian. So lately I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale. Which, and that's like comforting to you? I know. It's such an alternate reality that my mind can just... It's intrigued, like mm-hmm. it keeps me captivated because I'm like, what in the world? But then it's not actually my world. So mm-hmm. then it's fine. It doesn't have anything to do with my kids waking up early or not eating their vegetables or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something like that or like the Hunger Games. <laughs> like I like all that kind of dark and twisty stuff. That's fascinating. I know. I know. I also really like Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You do like Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. Yeah. And what about you, Jesse? Um... I really like The Office. Never, Here's what's funny. Never seen You've it. never seen it. Nope. I've never seen quite a few of the things you just said. Yeah. We we need to swap notes. So yeah, The Office, I, I like a lot of Marvel movies, stuff, mm-hmm. all things Marvel. Oh, and then like my son and I like to watch Lego Masters together. Ah. And so, uh, so when we're both just like 
goofing off. Yeah. yeah. We'll turn that on. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Our family likes baking shows and like fixer-upper type mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When we're relaxing as a family. Yeah. Yeah. You've got like Joanna Gaines vibes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Next question. What is the worst haircut you've ever had? And describe it. I have had so many. <laughs> so many bad haircuts. Um, okay. There's enough that like some of them have nicknames. Um, <laughs> so there's, uh, I had frosted tips for oh, a minute nice. in the early 2000s. I had the chicken haircut. Do you remember like in the early 2000s, oh. like there was a minute where like guys that were into rock and roll would have like long hair in the front, kind of short in the back. Eventually it became yes, almost like a yes. like a rural Karen haircut. Like a switch foot thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. My most famous one was one that was lovingly referred to as the rock and roll comb over. <laughs> I can picture And so that. it was like really slicked down in a really ridiculous, yes. like it looked like perpetually wet. It was, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> it was just so many bad choices. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good yeah. on you for experimenting. I feel like a lot of guys, they have the same cut they had as like first grader all the way through. No, I like, I like to switch you it like up. Switch That's it probably up. my four. Yeah. Mm. What about you? All right. Mine. So see, I guess this is my oneness. I haven't had many crazy haircuts. So mine was in the second grade. My mom. That was a very long time ago. I know, but I'm still traumatized by it. My mom made me get a chili bowl haircut. And you know, it was kind of, kind of fashionable back then in the 90s. There is debate in my family about whether I requested this cut or whether it was forced upon me. I won't tell you that whole long debate, but I had very strong feelings about the use of the clippers okay. on my neck. Like, okay. you could have the chili bowl and be a girl unless they used the clippers. And then it became a boy cut. So here I was, like, at okay. Super Clips or wherever. She was clipping my hair. I already didn't like it. But I was in second grade, so, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And then she got out the clippers and she buzzed the back. Yeah. And I started sobbing. Oh, like, Lindsay. It was horrible. And then, so then I had to grow it out. So then the whole next, like, two years, I went through a bam-bam phase where my bangs were up in a little ponytail at the very tip-top of my head, just, like, <laughs> sticking straight up. And I also happened to have, like, orthodontia at the same time. It was very painful. Have what? What did you just orthodontia, say? Orthodontia, like, uh, gear in my mouth for oh, orthodontics. Oh, my gosh, woman. No. <laughs> yes. And I had top and bottom, and they were connected in the back by these metal poles. And so when I would talk, they would go... <laughs> So people at school called me squeaker. It was horrible. (laughs) So I have never had an edgy haircut since then. Oh my gosh! And long, permanently. Uh, What what about more? uh, What about more teeth gear? Have you done any? I did get braces later, but that was much easier experience. That's a that's a lot going on at one time. Oh well, you survived. I did. Here I am. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I think this is a, a pretty good question. Okay. What aspects about faith do you find difficult? Oh, gosh. So I think one of the hardest things about faith or living a life of faith, it's kind of twofold. The first is suffering. Like you get it if like you have a little bit of suffering or one really big thing. But when it goes on and on, when you continually have these missteps or um, things happen to you and you just can't seem to get out of that rut, that is really hard to understand with your faith. And like 
to really feel God's presence being near, to really understand, you know, that it's not punishment or that it's not God being distant, like to really hold on to that faith is it can be really tricky. And then I would say the second part is just people. Like we're all so broken and complex that we hurt each other all the time. It's kind of like when people talk about divorce, they're like, and, you know, 50 percent of people get divorced, even in the church. And I'm like, 100 percent of people hurt each other, even in the church. Like people, they make mistakes, but they also sin. They're broken. They, they're different, which is what I love about the Enneagram is it's helped me experience other people's brokenness in a more compassionate way. But it's hard. It's hard the older yeah. you get and the more you see people hurt each other and hurt the church at large. It's hard to want to like affiliate yourself with the faith because I'm just tired of seeing everybody get hurt and yeah. hurting people yourself. I yeah. mean, making yeah. mistakes yourself, I'm not exempt by any means. So yeah, I would say at this stage in my life, those are the two hardest is like seeing people suffer, going through suffering, and then just the brokenness of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating though, because you know, you're the program assistant here at LTN <laughs> and so much of what you literally do is draw near to people yeah. in their suffering and in their brokenness. Yeah, totally. And so the part that is the hardest for you is also the part that you're leaning in on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jesse. Um, a couple of thoughts come to mind. I'm naturally a skeptic. Mm-hmm. I, I just am. Yeah. Um, I am not one that is prone to believe things on their face. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt, even when I was a kid, was like, you'll probably grow up to be an attorney because you make everyone prove everything. Oh. Um, and my poor wife has said a version of that to me recently. Like, oh, nice. So I'm just, I'm naturally a skeptical person. Yeah. Um, and that makes faith challenging mm-hmm. because it's very hard for me that I cannot see God, that I cannot touch him, that I cannot see clear evidence that, you know, I have a very short list of things that I would consider are miraculous Mm -hmm. um, that I've that I've seen and experienced in life. And yet the scriptures are like brimming with the miraculous. And so the difference between my lived experience and Mm -hmm. what I read in scripture can be a really challenging thing. And then the second thing would be very similar, very similar to what you've said, which is, um, just um, what I would perceive as unnecessary suffering, yeah. um, a level of just, uh, you know, horror. You know, that started for me. I grew up in Christian church mm-hmm. and then in high school, simultaneously uh, studied African-American history in the Holocaust. Wow. And to study that degree of horror in human history and mm-hmm. to see the church's role within both of those things uh, was really, really difficult. And so I don't know when it was a few years ago, I heard Keller teach about um, Tim Keller teach about that. We don't understand why God allows suffering, but Jesus's life on the cross shows us that it can't be because he doesn't care. Mm. Um, Because what we do see is that Jesus enters into our suffering. and, And I do find a lot of comfort in that, but it doesn't change the fact that I have, I do have days where I wake up and I just go like, is this all a fairy tale? Like am I just believing a big fairy tale like because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel better? And really just sort of wrestling with that. But I will also say, I literally don't know how to see this world except through Jesus. I I cannot make sense of the experience I'm having Mm -hmm. if 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 he is not who he claims to be. Yeah. The world doesn't make sense to me otherwise. So as much as there's an insanity in believing the things that I believe about the Christian faith, 
the idea of not believing it is a far greater insanity that I, I could not, I, I can't fathom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, Jesse, what do you worry about the most? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what do I worry about the most? Uh, Bad haircuts and abandonment. Um, uh, what do I worry about the most? I'll say it this way. I think that the stage of life that I'm in, my daughter's 14, my son's mm-hmm. 11, and they're really beginning to settle into some of their gifts, but yeah. they're also beginning to really settle into some of their areas of struggle and vices. Mm-hmm. And the future's not written, but as a parent, I do. I worry about their futures. I worry about how can I guide them how can I love them well on this journey? Mm-hmm. How can I do it in a way that's not controlling where I'm not attempting to overtake, you know, um, yeah. and micromanage and ensure mm-hmm. and allow them to live their lives and allow God to do what he's going to do. Um, and so, uh, so I do, I worry about, I worry about my kid's future and you know, that's probably pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely my number one, but it's a little different how mm-hmm. I worry about them. Um, I worry if I'm like doing enough for them. From the minute things of like, did they eat enough vegetables? And do I need to pick more battles about vegetables or less battles about vegetables? And I swing back and forth. And then, yeah, just their physical safety. Like, am I protecting them? Because, yeah, I have two girls. I have a toddler and a tween. So I've got the middle school thing going on and the toddler thing, which come with two very different handbooks. You know, like it's just such a different minefield. I've done both of those and the idea that you're doing both at the (laughs) same same time time. is wild. So yeah, I worry about middle school. Middle school is just brutal for most people. Yep. Yep. And just trying to navigate it with grace and not put my own issues on my kids, you know, is a big one of having that self awareness of what cycles do I want to break? What are things I want to instill in them? And then yeah, dealing with my own baggage. Like, I'm just tired. Like, a lot of the time, I'm just tired. I saw that meme the other day that says, adulting is where you say, I'm tired, I'm tired, over and over again, and then you die. <laughs> yes, it's so true. It's like, I want to be intentional, and I want to do more. And then at 7 o'clock, I'm just like, actually, I just want pajamas and a good book. Right. Like, that's all I really want. Yeah. So, yeah, I worry about my kids. And then I really worry about how people perceive me. That's yeah. a big worry that I have because I think in my past I was often misperceived is that a word and so I'm always like do people understand who I really am you know what are they thinking about me what are they saying about me not because I care necessarily what they're saying but because I want to make sure that people know my motivations and that they that they don't get the wrong idea and that kind of thing and I spin my wheels a lot about that of like Mm -hmm. oh I said this did they think I meant that do I need to clarify? Or if I clarify, will I look like a psycho? Or, 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 you know, and say with my kids, like, oh, I said that. Should I go back? Should I just leave it? Should I, do-? you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that in my brain mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you daydream about? <laughs> I daydream about taking a nap. <laughs> do you really? I mean, there are many moments where I think, oh, I could take a nap right now. Like I'm sitting in a warm spot, like working on my laptop. Like, even where my desk is in the office, on a sunny afternoon, the sun comes right in on my office. It heats the whole desk up. I'm like, I could just lay on this desk. It would be like a heating pad and take a nice nap. I look forward to the day I come into your office and <laughs> yes. you're just asleep, you know, just asleep on the, on the table. Yeah. 
I don't daydream, honestly, very much. So, Do you not? No, because I am very in the present moment. And yeah. my, like I said, my wheels are always spinning about where am I going? What am I doing next? Am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? What is that person thinking about me? Oh my gosh, am I late? Oh my gosh. Or I'm listening to a Marco Polo from a friend or my sister or I'm like, my brain is always activated. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually trying to make more space for silence. But even in the silence, I don't find myself daydreaming per, like per se. Mm-hmm. Like I don't dream about trips or mm-hmm. I'm just trying to survive the day. Mm-hmm. So I may be daydreaming about like food. Like I get cravings of like, oh, I wish I could have X, Y, Z right this minute mm-hmm. or a nap. But that's really it. So food or a nap. Yeah. Do you hear those like self-preservation? Yeah. I was like, your self-pres stuff through. is clear. It is. It's also fun. It's like so simple. It is. Feed me and let me and sleep. And let me take a, a cozy nap. <laughs> Good, good. Yeah, sorry, I'm not. You're keeping those expectations real realistic. I appreciate that. (laughs) What do I daydream about? My most common one is uh, traveling with my family. Mm. I I daydream about that all the time. It's like it's one of our favorite things. Like the other day, uh, one of the questions in this deck of cards is like, "What's your favorite family tradition?" Mm. And uh, we asked it at the dinner table the other night, and all four of us said traveling as a family. Oh, that's so. Like we all love to travel as a family, and. Yeah, just going and seeing new places, and uh, we travel well together, so it's like That's really awesome. fun and enjoyable. And my kids have a really sweet relationship with each other, and so that is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh, this is an intense one. All right. When you meet God, what do you want Him to say to you? I see you. Mm. I know you. I love you. I like you. Mm. Welcome home. Like whenever I watch movies, I always end up crying whenever there's mm-hmm. the, there's the, there's like the reunion moment or like the sense yeah. of like homecoming. And I think that I think that in any way that that God communicates that sense of like you you you're finally home. Yeah. I think I think um like the idea of the idea of of that ache within me fully being resolved is an overwhelming thought. Yeah. Yeah. I it's kind of funny that I'm going to say this to you, Jesse, but we kind of have a running inside-outside joke about the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right, you right. Know? Yeah, yeah. All right, so our yeah, listeners Lindsay, don't Lindsay, really know. Lindsay thinks <laughs> I talk about Marvel movies, and she always just, she literally will talk about the movie I'm discussing, but she'll insert Lord of the Rings characters. Yes, because they're all the same. Because she thinks it's all the same, which but, it's not. But to its credit, uh-huh, <laughs> Lord uh-huh. of the Rings credit. One of the most powerful movie images for me that, yeah, just totally had me in tears was whenever, I don't know their names, but the king is finally made the king after the ring has been destroyed and they're all bowing, you know, and he's like so rugged and like you've seen him go through all this and the little hobbits, you know, they, they, they bow and he's like, no, like, no, stand up. Like Mm -hmm. you're my friends. And that, that pierces my heart. Like for the king. Mm-hmm. After seeing you fail and tempted and and you're you're jaded. I mean, they were they were jaded. You know, he can't even stay on the earth anymore because he's gone through. He's mm-hmm. seen too much. You know. Yeah. But then he's like, no, your friends. Like, I feel like that is epic. I think for me, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say on a podcast without like needing a minute. Yeah. But I definitely hope and and do believe on my best days, you know, that God will just say, I love you. 
like and it'll be that all encompassing like you'll know that it covers every corner of your heart and your personality but I also think that he'll say I saw how hard you were trying and it was always enough like like he won't he won't patronize or diminish Mm -hmm. my trying and be like you didn't have to try yeah I already covered all your sins you know like that he'll see my trying was this distorted act of love you know but that it will all also be this comfort of like it was always good enough like you were always good enough for me like for my love for my sacrifice like you were always accepted and now you get to experience that fully, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that, I think that's... That'd be pretty good. Yeah. Well, if you would like to have uh, meaningful conversations... You may or may not cry like we just did, uh, but uh, if you want to laugh, you want to have a good time, you want to get to know each other better, head over to our website, lovethatneighborhood.org, and click the store button. And in the store, you can pick up a pack of our Say More Cards conversation starters to build better relationships. So stay with us, because when we come back, we will be giving you New Year's type illusions. Stay with us. Hey, listeners, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, we partner directly with local nonprofits right here in Louisville. Over the past seven years, our interns have provided over 130,000 work hours, free of charge to local ministries. I'm Kathy Williams. I'm the Career Development Program Director at Scarlet Hope. Scarlet Hope is a nonprofit that seeks to share the hope and love of Jesus with women in the sex industry. They provide counseling, employment opportunities, gospel-centered community, and they also go to the strip clubs to bring home-cooked meals to the women working there. Kathy shared with me one of the ways she's seen some of our year-long interns grow through serving alongside her in Scarlet Hope's career development program. And I've seen her just really grow in confidence in um, engaging and interacting one-on-one with our clients. When I first said, I'm gonna have you teach a class, kind of got the wide-eyed look, and now it's like, no big deal. Another intern also grew in confidence, taking skills she already had and sharing them with the ministry. During the end of her time with us, she was actually doing a one-on-one class with a client. Um, She offered to create the content and teach this young woman how to do hair braiding. If you're a young adult looking for an internship where social action and Christian community meet, check out our website at lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. Again, that's lovethyneighborhood.org. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. 
There you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Welcome back to the Enneacast, Jesse Eubanks, Lindsay Lewis, and now it's time for New Year's Type Illusions. Okay, Lindsay, so you have written up New Year's resolutions for all nine types. Yes. I don't know any of them. I have no <laughs> idea what you're going to say. So what's the point? Why are we exploring resolutions? Well, I think that, you know, we all tend to look at the Christmas season and the new year as a time to set a resolution or make a change or think of a word that we want to be inspired with for the next year. Yeah, it's like a reset button. It's like, yeah. a, like a fresh start. But for a lot of us, they end up falling flat. Or after COVID, we don't even know what we could reasonably set for ourselves. Or we're tired of saying we're going to lose 10 pounds and then not losing 10 pounds. And it's just discouraging. It's not really a healthy goal, maybe... So what we were thinking is we could think about the different virtues and vices of each number and come up with something you could focus on that would actually be an attainable goal for you to just take one step towards the healthier version of yourself as you go into this new year. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's get started. So are we going to go through the triads? Yes. We're going to start with type two. All right. Kick us off. All right. So for type two, very simple. It's just alone time. So twos often don't know who they are apart from helping others or even kind of enmeshing themselves with others. So they're very relational. So they know who they are in relationship to other people that they're caring for, that they're helping or that they just like to be around. So for twos to do some good self work, they need to be alone. They need to get quiet. They need to find what they enjoy doing find what their needs are and get some rest and then figure out a way that they can ask for help. So once you know what your needs and your desires are, then you can communicate those to others. But if you never take that time, you won't be able to communicate it as easily. Mm, That's a good one. I can almost always predict how healthy a two is by their ability to be alone. This is a good one. That's a good one. It can be anything as deep as mindfulness and contemplative prayer to just like finding out what kind of eggs you like to eat. It can be simple or complex, however you want. I know one type two who does trail running. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're somebody that's like, I don't feel comfortable going out in the woods all by myself. <laughs> like, you know, maybe if you've got small kids at home, like, you know, during nap time, go in the bathroom, turn on the vent, take a hot bath, mm-hmm. you know, have some time to yourself. I will say this. It doesn't look like going to Target. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like going to the mall. Like, It's literally going to a place in which you are physically the only person in that space. Mm -hmm. Uh, So look for any opportunities that you can. And if you have a loved one or a spouse um, who's a type two, do your best to give them that as a gift. Um, I want to give you the gift of total solitude. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, that sounds so anxiety producing, start off at five minutes, work yourself Mm -hmm. up from there. But total solitude in an environment where no one else is around. Yeah. All right. So for the threes, take 
the opportunity to say no to recognition. So that doesn't mean you can't do anything in the next year, but it means maybe there's a committee that they're asking you to join or a board or to take a teaching position for a Sunday school class. And it's not just that you don't take the position, it's that you find someone else to champion, that you are intentionally putting the spotlight on other people who are maybe mm-hmm. not as aggressive, that are just as capable. I'm not saying pick up some random person and say, you lead a class, but somebody that you know who wouldn't ask for something, but who would be really good at it and spend your energy lifting someone else up instead of curating your own image. So basically you're saying like be somebody's secret weapon. Yeah. Like basically hang in the background, reinforce somebody else's Mm -hmm. work, but don't blast about it on social media. Mm -hmm. Don't go around and tell everybody. Be the wingman. Yeah, be the wingman and let it just be your little secret. And know like if you're like, I just really want to be recognized. The Lord sees you. The Lord knows what you did. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good one. What's next? All right. So for fours... You know, you're going to need to give a little bit more input because you are four. I I have opinions on everything, so this should be fine. (laughs) But I put gratitude journal. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So what I was thinking was God has designed fours to just appreciate beauty and depth and meaning. But they can also be so dissatisfied with their own life because they need more meaning and they really want everything to be special. So... When you keep a gratitude journal, you're trying to find that beauty. So you're writing down every little thing, you know, the way the windshield wipers went across the windshield, like whatever it is, all those four things um, that you appreciate and really writing them down and focusing on those in a way to like train your brain to then not focus as much on the missing piece and the broken pieces, but to focus on this is my gift. And I see beauty everywhere and really amplify that. Mm, that's a good one. Literally, gratitude is the antidote to envy, yes. you know, because you cannot do both those things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned this because earlier this year during staff meeting, mm-hmm. I got that notebook. And on the front of the notebook, I wrote, what brings you joy? And we began passing it around each of our staff meetings mm-hmm. and we would each write down things. And I did that because that does not come naturally to me. I am can be like a little curmudgeon and like <laughs> a little more like cynical and a little more like, oh, it was fine, but it could have been better, you know? Yeah. And so, so celebrating and really recognizing it, like it truly is a spiritual discipline for me. It's like, it takes work. Um, yeah. But it has such good payoff. So I love that one. Yeah. Okay. That's the four. Okay. So heading into the head triad, what about type five? For fives, I just put initiate. So fives have so many good ideas and interesting thoughts and facts that they know, but it can stay in that interior world. And so for a five to make a resolution to find one area where they're going to initiate action. So it could be with a friend that you're going to find somebody at work and you're going to initiate, let's go have coffee. Or let's go to a trivia night or let's go for a run. Like it can be anything. Or it could be with your kids that, you know, I come home from the end of the day. My energy tank is low, but I am going to do five minutes with my kids after dinner every night where I wrestle or I read a book, whatever's your jam. But something where you're initiating that relational contact with the people in your life. And yeah, it can be small, can be a five minute phone call. It can be a text. Any baby steps to start initiating. And 
as a side note, a great way for fives to get going is often with something physical. If you can get your body moving, you can often get the rest of yourself to follow. Mm. So that can be a great way to get started. Oh, that's good. That's good. You're basically suggesting like tip the first domino. Yes. Like don't worry that there's a hundred other dominoes behind it. Mm-hmm. Just tip the very first one. Like it's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it too because fives generally are like, I don't want to go to the big party, but like, man, if you could just reach out to that one person, schedule that date night with your spouse or send that text to that friend, like simple things. Yeah. Share yourself in yeah. the most simple of ways. Yeah. Okay. Type six. So for six, we have learned something new. But when we say new, we do not mean research some facts about safety of planes or the newest COVID statistics. What we mean is something trivial, something fun, something that you just enjoy for enjoyment's sake. Take a painting class online or a master class or learn how to work in your garden. And what we're looking for here is twofold. One is some self-care. Sixes are so busy mentally but also physically keeping everyone around them safe and taking care of their planning, their, you know, looking for all those minefields. And so we want them to just take a moment to relax, something where they can just take a deep breath and set aside all the worries and the cares that sort of plague their daily routines. But then we also want to give them a space where they can be curious and they can kind of take charge of themselves. They can take that leadership role of, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn something new. I don't have to be good at it. I don't have to be extra safe. We're just doing it for fun. That's good. That's good. Okay, so I don't know how how happy she's going to be about this, but my wife, who's a six, so she makes really wonderful cakes for all of our kids' birthdays. Like They're like amazing. Well, one year related to that, her curiosity started to sort of shift into an adjacent lane So she became interested in balloon animals. And so she like bought like all these books about balloon animals and bought all these balloons. And like, I'm not kidding. I woke up one time and it was like 1230 at night. I've been asleep and I look over and I'm hearing. And she's sitting next to me making balloon animals. And I just looked at her and I went, I'm married to a psychopath. (laughs) Like. And she, she, yeah, so she just decided oh to, gosh. And but here's what I do love is that it was so funny and ridiculous. Like it's so not her typical because yeah. she's such a responsible person. It was so therapeutic. Just to see her do something that was just like silly, wow. you know, was, was pretty great. So what I'm really hearing is that she's already more than 50% on her way to being a party planner. Oh yeah. yeah. She can right, bring totally. the cake and the balloon animals. That's right. She's got the planner part in her DNA and she's bringing yes. the party part as well. That's yeah. epic. All right, next is the sevens. So they're not going to like this, Mm -hmm. but it's slow down. Find a way to sit in some quiet. So, Jesse, you actually teach that sevens have some of the deepest, biggest emotions of any number on the Enneagram. And that's why they're constantly kind of flitting from one thing to another and why they have that obsessive need for positivity and happiness and fun and joy because they really feel those negative things so strongly. Yeah. What we're looking for sevens to do, though, is to actually stop long enough to face and feel some of those negative emotions because it really isn't healthy and it won't be useful to you in the long run of your life to live with a half range of emotions. And it's 
unhealthy for your relationships as well, because everyone you're in relationship with is going to go through something negative at one time or another or suffer, and they're going to need you to be able to be there with them. So we're just asking sevens to make a little bit of space. It can be scheduled time um, just once a month or once a week where they slow down and they are present with something they're feeling or a friend is feeling, and they really make that conscious effort to not look away from pain. Yeah, that's good. That is a really hard one because the natural tendency of the seven is what's next? Yeah. What's next? What's next? But, you know, as part of our faith, we believe in death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And we believe that somehow what is resurrected is more beautiful than it was before. Yeah. But it has to go through that hardship first. So that makes sense. The invitation for the seven is, you know, find a couple areas in your life where you're really, you need to feel some things and grieve Mm -hmm. some things, knowing that it's not a death to your joy. It's actually going to bring greater joy on the backside. Yeah. It's going to keep your joy from being a shallow joy. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a hard one, it but is. it's a good one. And it might need to start as like smaller steps of like just turning off your phone at meals with people because you don't know if they're going to share something painful, but you might have that urge to like, well, I'm going to check my phone because yeah. this is getting too serious or oh, yeah. somebody's texting me and that's really fun. So I'm not present. So it yeah. might start with some more like little practical things, but you get the idea. It's good. Okay, so that's the head triad. So heading into the body triad, type eight. All right. For eight, we have practice listening. So eights move faster than pretty much anyone else. They process fast. They talk fast. They can get a lot done. Even if they're not talking, sometimes they've made up their mind about two sentences into the conversation. Mm -hmm. So they're not actively listening any longer because they've already decided. And they can be very black and white thinkers. Black and white thinking can actually be something that all of the gut triad struggles with. But it's just that idea that I already know what I think and there's no way you can move my position. So I'm just waiting for you to get out all your words to say my words or to just move on. I'm not going to be swayed. So what we really want is for eights to kind of have that pause button where they just tell themselves, just pause before I say anything and just make sure the other person is even finished. And then also check yourself. Are you really listening? And a great way to know if you're listening is to ask good questions. So work on being curious. Like even if you don't agree, well, why does that person believe that? Or how did they come to that conclusion? Or what inspired the idea? And let them talk even more, even if you don't agree. And you might be surprised to find yourself at least understanding more about other people's views and positions just because you made space for them to elaborate. And also that's a better friend, a friend who listens and asks good questions. I'm wondering if like a good way to approach that would be, you know, for the eight at the end of a conversation to practice this phrase. So what I hear you saying is, Mm -hmm. and then fill in the blank. Yeah. Like the very fact that you yourself are like, okay, I know that when this person's done talking, I'm going to try to summarize what they're saying, which means Mm -hmm. I I need to to be actively listening right now. Yes. Um, So saying to the other person, so what I hear you saying is X, Y, Z. Is that true? Does that seem correct? Is that fair? Is that a good synopsis? And then it invites you. It will help train your own mind to be attentive and value the voice and opinion of other people. And then it also, yeah, other folks. Because the number one complaint that eights here is I don't feel heard. I don't feel heard. I don't feel heard. And so this is an active way of of pushing back against that. That's a good one. It's a really practical one. I also like how you always say, which is funny because now you have cards. (laughs) 
that say, say more. Uh-huh. Because that is such an easy two-word phrase that you can program yourself to say. Like, I don't really know that I agree. I don't really know where you're coming from. Say more. It mm-hmm. just sounds so inviting and kind, mm-hmm. even if what you really mean is, this is a terrible idea, but mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So type nines? Type nines is make the list and do the list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I say that all the time for nines, so sorry that it's not something new. But I still think it's true that nines can get so lost on rabbit trails or you know, kind of narcotizing, like getting distracted by many, many things or falling asleep to what they're supposed to be doing or literally falling asleep physically. Yeah. (laughs) Like they could just fall asleep. So write down what needs to be done. Like if you're in a family, talk with your family about what needs to be done in the following week, write it down. And that way, even if you go on a rabbit trail, you have something to come back to and you can just pick up right where you left off. You don't have to feel shame that you got distracted or that you were playing a game on your phone or whatever it is. You can just go back to the list, pick up the next thing on the list and keep moving. And that will also give you confidence because you'll see how much your presence matters. When you are getting things done, it impacts the world, like your small world, but also that trickles outward. Like when you get things done at work, it impacts your entire company, which is impacting probably other companies. Like your presence really matters. And when you're starting to get those things done, I think you'll see it more and more. Yeah, and I encourage to like uh, write down three items. You may have a long list of maybe like 20 items on your list. That's super overwhelming. You don't know yeah. where to start. Couple them together to where it's like three items, then take a break. Three mm-hmm. items, then take a break. Don't make a list of like 20 items. Yes. You know, it's good. You're not going to know where to start. And nines often can struggle with which item is most important. Mm-hmm. Ask for feedback. Yeah. Which of these things seems most important? But I love that. Yes. Make a list and do the list till the day you die. Like you gotta, you gotta do it every day. Yeah, yes. I agree. Yes. All right. Last but not least, number one. Number one. So what I have for ones is called pages. It's where you have a set amount of time, maybe in the morning or maybe in the evening, whenever you have time, and you just write stream of consciousness. You just start writing, and you don't have to say anything in particular. You're just downloading your brain onto paper. And you do not pick up your pen until your set amount of time is done. And then you wad up the papers and you throw them away. Mm-hmm. You can burn them. You can shred them. But they have to go away. And for ones, this can be a great practice because you're venting out that critical voice. And all those thoughts that are just swirling in your mind at a thousand miles an hour all the time, you download that all onto the page that you don't have to censor yourself and work yourself up further with that critical voice saying, what if when I die, my children find my journal and they see that I said all these terrible things? Because you're going to get rid of it right away. So you're downloading it and then you're destroying it. That can just be a great way to free up some space to then have more productive thinking in your day. That, really good. And also, if there's something you need to talk to a spouse or a friend about, You've already written it down and processed it, so then it's easier to get it out of, okay, this is actually what's going on with me. Instead of saying, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Everything's just driving me crazy. You've really narrowed it down. Okay, I know what's going on. Mm, That's good. I heard a quote recently that um, said, your body is not a coffin for unhealed pain. Mm. And I feel like this is getting at it. It's like the things that so often you carry in your body need a place to go. Yeah. And so this practice allows you to get it out of yourself, Mm -hmm. externalize it, 
and then give it a place, which in some cases is the trash. The trash. Uh, and then you can go on and go about yeah. your life and live your life. Mm-hmm. That's really good. All right. Well, Lindsay, thanks. Yeah. So that was our New Year's type illusions. Again, if you would like to buy a set of our Say More conversation cards, you can head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store button. We have both Enneagram materials for sale there as well as other goodies. So head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and pick up a pack of Say More cards now. Also, Lindsay and I just want to thank you for being with us all year long as we've explored so many different topics through the gospel, through the Enneagram. We are so excited to come back and to be with you again next year. Thanks so much for listening. Happy holidays. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Rachel Zabo is our media director. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.